Welcome back, everyone, to the Unscholared Health Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Sviathan, and with me today is a fellow osteopathic Mayo practitioner and friend, Hannah Ferguson. Hannah is a member of the Halifax Osteopathic Health Center, and I think it's best for her today to highlight her experience in education with everyone. Hannah, welcome for coming. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about feet. I know. Uh, I think you have a you have actually a very expert background in feet. Yeah, definitely an interesting background. I have to say I'm I am lucky enough, so to speak, to have been born into it. Uh, both of my parents are uh, chiropodists or podiatrists, depending on where you're from. Uh, the term can change. So uh, I grew up around feet all the time, and um, I've always been really interested in mechanics. Um, and so, yeah, I went to the University of Guelph for human kinetics, which was an amazing program. And then um, I took a year off um, to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And I became really interested in manual therapy uh, because my parents were doing manual therapy to treat chronic and acute foot pain. And uh, I'd been working with them for a little bit of time after my uh, kinetics degree or while I was working through that. And um, I saw how amazingly helpful manual therapy was for foot pain. And so I attended a few courses with them. Um, it was held by this gentleman named Ted Jedinak, um, who's based out of Australia. And so I took several courses with him. And then um, on my year in between going to osteopathy school, I went to Australia and I participated in this immersion program where uh, essentially I could treat up to 60 feet a day, every like 10, 15 minutes, I was jumping on another, another set of feet. So it gave me a really, really great um, base for feeling what normal feet feel like or should feel like, um, or what not normal feet should feel like. Um, but a very interesting part of that education was um, actually, we took a lot of x-rays of people's feet. So if people came in with foot pain, they would actually take um, weight-bearing x-rays of people's feet and then we would analyze it and we'd actually measure every degree um, of contact of the bones in the feet. And we would show patients how, um, how off and how shifted the, the bones of the feet were when they first started treatment. And they'd basically go through a three month process of manual therapy. And at the end of that three month process, they'd, they'd get another set of weight bearing x-rays. We'd take all those measurements again and we could actually show them the measured difference in change in the position of the foot bones. So that was really, really cool. And when I came back uh, to Canada, I was helping my parents in their practice uh, while I studied my osteopathic education. And I got to see a lot more feet, work with a lot more feet, look at a lot more x-rays. And so I feel like I have a very good understanding of the mechanics of feet, how they should work. And then on top of that, because I worked with my parents who were podiatrists, I learned a lot of um, other, other factors that have to be considered when treating the feet other than manual therapy. So um, I found that when I speak to other practitioners, feet are a very common and frustrating part of treatment and for patients as well. I have a lot of people who, you know, just casually mention that they've had foot pain for a long time um, and they think that it's normal. And I really want to kind of get it out to everyone that foot pain is not normal. It shouldn't be something that's, you know, in your life every single day. And there are things that you can do to make it better. Something you don't have to 
you don't have to sit with all the time. I think that's yeah. a valid point. You said, uh, you know, just in pain in general, you know, you shouldn't have to be living in pain if you don't have to be necessarily, um, especially when it comes to, to foot pain. And I think like, I, and that's one reason I appreciate you coming on when you reached out to join us and discuss this, because I feel a lot of practitioners, they maybe, I can't speak for everyone, of course, but they don't often go to the feet necessarily. You know, they, they focus a lot on the thorax. They focus a lot within the pelvic region, abdomen. They will do work down the lower limb. Maybe they approach the lower limb, but very rarely are they making a call on the feet and relating something back to it. Uh, I know in my experience as well, uh, I've only been practicing for a short time now, but it's just in the off case where a patient comes in with the subjective complaint of their feet actually, or it comes in at a later point, And now I have to change my investigative process. So thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're going to be highlighting not just from the patient perspective, but also to fellow manual therapists or other practitioners, what, what we can be looking out for with uh, the feet as well. Yeah, that's the hope. And I think that uh, people need to remember that pain is one of the last things that our body does to tell us that something's wrong. And um, we're just not usually really attuned to the, the things that are leading to that problem. Um, and yeah, unfortunately with the feet there, it's a part of the body that I've found um, really does need specific work. You know, if people are complaining of foot pain, um, it is really important to change the you know, the descending load onto the feet. But at some point, you know, our feet walk a lot of miles. You know, we have, uh, we use the Jesus out of our feet and it's such a weird structure. It's pretty amazing actually that these things work for us and we really do take them for granted. Um, and you know, the bones of our feet fit together like a little puzzle. That's the way that I say it. Like all the bones in their feet are so weird and they work together in a very intricate way. And um, if those mechanics are off in the actual foot bones, then um, it's gonna be difficult to create change even if you're just working on, you know, the descending tensions, right. like working through the calves and the, uh, the knees, you know, all the way from the hips and pelvis. So it's, uh, yeah, definitely something that people need to specifically be getting their hands on, I think. Um, like every treatment, they should put their hands on people's feet just to mm. feel what that resulting load is affecting. And, and from the patient experience as well, uh, whether it's treatment or you're just doing something therapeutic, I mean, if you're able, not, not everyone's comfortable touching feet, I suppose, but if you're able to perform joint mobilization in the foot or you work around the ligaments and tendons attaching to the ankle, such patients always love it. They, they frankly just, it just feels good for them. They go, oh, thank you. And I always have a memory of a, a certain professor you and I both had at, uh, at the Canadian Academy where uh, I was I was a little too polite with the individual's foot. And they're like, don't be shy with those. Those They stand on those all day. Go. So I learned a lot that day and my wife appreciates it every day as well. <laughs> yeah, there's no need to treat the feet like little babies. <laughs> they, no. It is a robust, robust structure. It's hard to do damage and in the foot for the most part. Um, there, but it's a lot of ligaments, it's a lot of tendons, so it's a lot of fibrotic tissue. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a lot of end points, um, which basically can create quite a bit, quite a bit of issue there. Um, but yeah, you're quite right. I, I like to start my treatments off with people's feet. I start at the at the bottom and I start with their feet. And most patients are like, 
oh, this is so great. It's so lovely. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it is. It's a good way to start. Or you get the other person who is like, oh my gosh, you're touching my feet. <laughs> and that's, that's right. It doesn't happen often, but once in a while it does. And I'm like, all right, it's fine. Uh, I'll, I'll just share an anecdote with you. I think there'll be a couple today, but literally just last week, I had a, a husband and a wife come in. I, I'm thankful that I have a very large space that I can bring someone else into the room with me. And uh, long story short, the husband needed treatment. The wife was hesitant, so she kind of wanted to investigate from the side of the room. But uh, the moment she saw me reach his feet, it was just, you, you work on feet? Yes, I do. Can I book with you next week? Well, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> so uh, I, I think, you know, even I was a little ignorant in, um, you know, not not always patients will think of coming to you for their feet, but they do appreciate it and there is value in it. I'm learning still, so. It's it's quite amazing how, um, how patients don't mention that they have foot pain. I think, as mm -hmm. I mentioned at the very beginning, I think people think it's normal to have foot pain. You know, they're like, oh, well, I've been standing on my feet all day. Like, of course I have foot pain at the end of the day. Like, yes and no. I mean, it's one thing if you're standing on like concrete floors with steel toes all day, um, you know, mm -hmm. that's one end of things. That's a really tough situation for feet and legs. Steel toes, concrete floors, it's tough. Um, but, you know, generally, and also poor, poor nurses and doctors doing 12 plus hour shifts or anyone who has to do long shift work, it's tough. But at the end of the day, um, pain in your feet is not normal. So yeah, people like when you do it. <laughs> so so you, you, you made a mention and I appreciate that, that you start at the feet, uh, I'm assuming with your assessment process. So, you know, I guess this is more practitioner based. So for the practitioner, I'm gonna ask you two questions, Hannah. What is the practitioner looking for if they're starting at the feet? What should they be looking for specifically? And then my second question is for the patient, what should they be expecting when someone's approaching their feet? So um, generally, just like everywhere else in the body, you want to get an impression in how, how that's working. And you really have to have an understanding of the, the fundamental mechanics of how the foot works. And the foot, as I mentioned before, is quite intricate. So when you have your hands on the feet, just get a vibe of how much tension is there and how much mobility is actually in the foot. Um, and you also want to know whether patients are wearing things like orthotics or what kind of footwear they're, they're using on a regular basis. Um, some of that will kind of help you figure out um, what's going on. But generally, I start with like cycling the columns of the feet um, so I'll check, you know, whether these columns are kind of cycling as they should be. And that might be a difficult concept to just describe through a oral, just through a podcast. Um, but, um, it's, that's one way that I'll go with. I check the subtalar joint, how the subtalar joint is moving. The subtalar joint is so important for absorbing force when we walk. Every time our heel hits that ground, our subtalar joint is responsible for dispersing that force through our feet and up our legs and body. And so if that subtalar joint is jammed, then you're not going to be dispersing force very well. And that's going to really hurt your like plantar fascia, the Achilles, that kind of thing. Basically things in the feet get compressed. That's what happens. You just, things aren't moving, but all just jammed in together and you have to figure out a way to unjam them. And that's basically the foot. Um, a lot of compression. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for, for people who, um, you know, are having, having foot pain, I mean, also the, the treatment process can be a little bit different as well. I found for people who have chronic pain, I often find that um, you need to have some consistency in treatment. Um, so I actually, if I have someone who has chronic foot pain, I'm seeing them twice a week for mm. almost three weeks. It's twice a week, three weeks is kind of my protocol I'll lay out for them. And at that three week mark, that's when we should be starting to really notice some change and some progress. It's feet recovery is slow. It's frustrating. We're always walking on our feet. They're always moving. So there's that degree. It's kind of like a shoulder. You know, shoulders can be frustrating because we're always moving them and it takes a bit of time. So feet are like that. You've got to be on them consistently. You've got to keep encouraging change because of how fibrotic those tissues get. Mm -hmm. um, you need to be encouraging healthy, happy motion all the time because you need to be promoting the tissue lay down in the right way. And um, that needs movement and it takes time to get that movement when things get all jammed up. So there has to be some patience um, in, with regards to the, the person who is in pain, who is having muscle pain. There's, there is a turnaround point. You didn't get there in a day. It's going to take some time, but also for the practitioner, it can be really nerve wracking working with the feet because sometimes, yeah, you don't get changed for like two, three weeks. Like, and you're going along and you're like, oh my gosh, like, is this going to get better? Like you have started to have some of those doubts because they're like, oh no, the pain's still there. Da, 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 da. But I always tell my patients and practitioners that the first thing you want to look out for, uh, there's three things. One, the intensity of the pain is coming down. You know, you've come from like an eight to a six. That's great. Like we have to take any change we can get. Um, two, the frequency of the pain is going down. You know, it used to happen several times in a day. Now maybe it's just happening at the end of the day. Um, and then the last one is duration. So, you know, at the end of the day, you let, lie down. How long does it take for your feet to feel like they're recovering? Maybe at the beginning it, or before you had to go to sleep and the next morning it'd feel better. But for other people, but then they may find after treatment that, you know, it's just taking a few hours for the feet to kind of feel better, like you can go for another walk. So I always say any change in the foot, any improvement is great. You've just got to go with it and roll with it and stick to the program because Feet are frustrating, period. Um, progress is progress is progress. That's, yes. I think, something we have to remind the patient as well. And so <clears throat> I'll just re-highlight, because uh, now I'm learning from you as well. But essentially, you know, we need to be a little more consistent with the feet on a weekly basis in terms of treatment, so intervention for the patient. And for the patient and both practitioner, you need to practice a little bit of patience and okay. give it maybe a couple or a few weeks not just from load and stress of the feet, because we do walk on them. I don't know anyone who just goes around doing handstands all day. But as you said, just from the anatomy, uh, even if we look at the bones like a puzzle to the attachment points, it's very fibrotic. So chances are it will just take more time. And in your experience, I'm gonna repeat it for everyone listening to the practitioners who are listening. You suggest uh, your regular protocol, I would say is roughly two times a week for a few weeks. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be a long treatment. Um, no. And it can depend. Like, I'll typically do like the first treatment in the week. I'm working on basically the whole body um, with a focus on the feet, um, mm -hmm. coordinating everything up and down. 
And then um, the second treatment is a shorter is a shorter treatment where I'm just following up with the feet. And the if there is very chronic fibrotic like Achilles or other areas in the in the leg and sometimes the knee, um, I'll do a little bit of it, a little bit there. But mostly the follow up is just a we're just moving the feet briefly, like we're just getting it moving. But it's really great too because there's a lot of things that patients can do at home, and I uh, it's one of the areas that I do pretty consistently give. Um, things for the patient to do when they get home. Mm -hmm. So um, one thing for anyone who has foot pain right now, and you want to see if it can get a little bit better, is uh, go and find a tennis ball or a lacrosse ball. Basically something that's kind of a large ball with a little bit of give to it. Nothing as hard as a baseball and nothing as small as a golf ball. That's too much. And you don't want things with little bumpy, bumpy, like, nodules on okay, them. That was, was going to um, be my question, naturally. Yeah, it's the yeah. smooth surface. You want a nice smooth surface that has a little bit of pliability and you're just going to massage your feet with it. Mm -hmm. Pretty easy instructions. Most people, it feels pretty good. It shouldn't be totally painful. Um, however, sometimes you get patients and their sensitivity in their feet is like Ooh, it's crazy. crazy. Like I've had patients where I can't even, I can barely touch their feet um, to begin with. And so the tennis ball will just have to be used literally as lightly as possible just to start kind of stimulating a little bit of movement, um, kind of starting to take down that sensitivity level, um, but carefully and slowly as your body can handle it. Um, so tennis ball is one great thing. And the second thing is be consistent with your footwear. Like, you know, if you are going home and you're going barefoot um, in your house all day, um, you know, a lot of us have changed our regular routines. There's a lot more time at home. And I think a lot of people, you know, are, are acting the way they would if they had a work day at, um, away from home. You know, you're usually wearing shoes, then you come home, take the shoes off, relax. If you're home all day, some people aren't wearing shoes at all throughout the day, and um, that can be stressful. So treat your workday like your workday if you're working from home. Wear shoes and be consistent with the shoes that you're wearing. Because if you are going from a parachute to parachute to you know a, a high heel to a burke, um, you don't know what is aggravating you. Uh, so get yourself in a nice stable pair of shoes, wear those shoes as much as you possibly can and work that tennis ball and you should have a little bit of an improvement at least. Um, but if you don't, then you may have to think about um, going a step further and seeing a manual therapist or something like that. But for some people, I tell them that the tennis ball and stable shoes is the first line of defense. Like do, if you start getting foot pain, do this first before you contact me. And most of the time it'll, it'll nip it in the butt and it's all good. Um, but sometimes it's not and need a little bit of extra push. So, so for example, with the tennis ball method, you're, you're essentially implying that get something with a large enough surface area so that's not eliciting pain and something that's not so dense or hard. Because ideally you don't want to be eliciting pain to yourself. Yes, it's and, just about movement. It's yeah. really just about getting some movement, getting a little bit of stimulation. Um, if it's too small, you could start working through, we get these little nodules on the bottom of the plantar fascia sometimes, mm -hmm. like these little bumps, if you kind of drag your finger along it, kind of like a cheese grater. Um, mm -hmm. And so if people have a lot of those, then um, maybe a golf ball or a dowel. Um, I, we used to use these like three quarter inch dowels and you'd actually get people to just put, um, put some, their foot directly, directly pressure, directly put pressure on their feet 
onto the dowel and just take tiny, tiny little steps as they go across the dowel. And if you find a sensitive spot, you just press and hold it for about four seconds. And then you just move on, find the next spot, press and hold, move on. And you just kind of walk across it three times. Um, but if you're on a bone and it hurts, don't just push on the bone. <laughs> Because it's a very bony structure, so yeah. some people are like, "Oh, this really hurts." I was like, "Well, you're pushing—that's a bone that you're pushing well, on." And you know, and that and that comes up many times. Um, you know, patients will inquire, like, "Oh, can you press right here? It's really tender there." And well, it's going to be tender because you're asking me to put pressure on essentially a very bony mm -hmm. landmark that's exposing itself. So I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, so um, okay. Yeah. So in this in this more special case you mentioned, so plantar fasciitis. You're, I'm going to use it like cheese grater. You, you notice there's little nodules. Now you can kind of go from the larger surface area tool to something a little finer. Yes, I usually kind of there. build that up as you yeah. go. Like start with tennis ball, and as sensitivity goes down, mobility mobility goes up. Um, then you can get smaller. The other thing too is when you first start, some people foot feet don't have the mobility to get on something smaller like a dowel or a right. golf ball. Um, they can't. This, because everything's compressed, they don't have the ability to um, like move from their mid-tarsal region. They can't toe off, essentially. So um, yeah, making sure that that's all important. Um, the other thing I want to say in regards to patients, uh, I think there's also a misconception um, that people think, like if they've been told that they have heel spurs, um, I think people are in the idea that that's it for them. You know, I have heel spurs. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's what's causing my pain. Um, but I really want to put it out there that heel spurs don't cause pain. Um, they shouldn't. It's very, I, I don't really know if I've ever come across a case other than if the spur is so big, it's literally affecting like wearing your footwear and it's rubbing and that kind of mm. thing. But yeah, it's very rare that I've had a person who's had spurring and um, hasn't improved. I, I saw a lot of, a lot, even a lot of patients who didn't even know that they have spurring because I've seen so many x-rays. So many people have spurring and have no idea that it's there. Um, to me, spurring just tells me that you've had a lot of chronic stress in your feet for a long time. Um, and depending how long it's been there, the more dramatic that spurring is gonna be, unless you have some kind of um, connective tissue disease or something like that. But generally, um, you can get better if you have spurring. Um, there's sometimes a little bit more consideration, but generally it's not the end of the world. Bones first. Now, now correct me if I'm wrong, but if I if I recall, um, and, and for the most part, I believe people who have heel spurs, it, it's not something that usually hurts them. No. And that's why you're trying think, to say like, it's not yeah, it's something that we can approach. If, if someone's told that they have, if they're, a lot of times when people go into their doctors or other practitioners and they say they have foot pain, the go-to will be, oh, you have plantar fasciitis. That's just, it's like a blanket term. It's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine, to be honest, um, because I everyone comes in with plantar fasciitis and it's all different. So it's kind of like, okay, well, yeah, your plantar fascia is, in, is aggravated because your foot mechanics aren't working right. Okay. Um, but I think that it's, you know, they go and get imaging done and then, their doctor or whoever tells them, oh, you have heel spurs. And I think that's where they go, oh, that's why it hurts all the time. Because I have like a sharp piece of bone jabbing into me or something like that. Um, but it's not really, it's just uh, more fibrotic you know, tissue. Exactly. Um, yeah. And it will become 
less and less fibrotic or more and more fibrotic the closer you get to the base of the heel. So, um, but there can still be good motion that can be encouraged back into that point. Obviously age and health comes into that, but um, for the most part, you can improve it at least. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I know, I, I, I know some, some individuals with heel spurs um, once, once it's properly diagnosed and seen through imaging, but they want to jump to surgery right away. Um, and it's always an, it's always an interesting discussion for myself because the first question that happens, is it eliciting pain to you? Is it eliciting discomfort? Because in some cases they weren't even really aware they had it. So I think there's a mention to health there that, you know, if it's functional, there, there's no need to make changes. It's when you have some pain or now it's causing you discomfort in another way. There are other options first before jumping straight to going under the knife necessarily. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, that's gonna go make me go down another rabbit hole of unnecessary foot surgeries. Mm. <laughs> um, I have seen so many unnecessary foot surgeries. It's incredibly frustrating. Um, so two marks on, and most of that is related to bunions. Uh, mm. You know, a lot of, you know, as osteopathic practitioners, we're always thinking of the why. You know, why has this bunion developed? Right. And a lot of the time, people aren't thinking about why this bunion has developed. It's just like, oh, look, this bone is growing outwards. Let's have surgery and shave off the edge of it. And then so that you can, for fair, maybe fit into shoes better. But there's definitely people I've met who've had no problem getting into shoes and have had the surgery done more for cosmetic purposes, I think. But that's totally on you, that's your option, but it won't help the bunion. A lot of times, I so many patients I've seen have had bunion surgery and several years down the line, they still have a bunion. It's like, come back, um, because that's not the problem. Obviously the bone growing out is an issue. And if it's a problem where you can no longer wear footwear or you know, it goes down that line, then obviously there are um, exceptions, but if people are starting to notice notice a bunion, then you're starting to notice change in the mechanics of your feet. And mm -hmm. it's important to go and get that looked at because you can definitely mitigate bunions. Um, in my perspective, bunions come from the talus moving forward. And again, this is understanding the mechanics of the feet and how the feet work. But it's really interesting. I should actually, um, I'll provide you with a picture, um, a comparison picture after this podcast so that yeah. people can actually see the measured difference. And I'll in share a it to everyone. That's come anterior. It's dramatic. Uh, so as I said, the bones fit like a little bit of a puzzle and, um, but they all articulate in a very specific way. So it's basically like the tail, the head of the talus, it's like a little dome and it contacts with the navicular um, right away. And then the navicular contacts with these three little baby, baby bones, they're called cuneiform, um, which are metatarsals or the actual like, you know, I guess the fingers, <laughs> the fingers of our the toes. fingers of, of your feet. feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good they, way to put uh, it. That's where they attach onto. And so if you think about it, like the navicular and the, um, the, your first toe, the, your first three toes, toes one, two, three, and your navicular and your calyx. Uh, are really interconnected. So what happens a lot of the time is that talus shifts forward and it pushes that navicular. Um, and usually the talus doesn't shift straight forward. It comes in um, at an angle. And so when it comes in at an angle, it shifts the navicular, it kind of pushes the edge of the navicular and it creates this little domino effect with the bones of the feet. 
And uh, because of the way that the tendons of your of your feet, so you can move your toes and stuff, how they work, uh, it ends up pulling that, basically pulling your foot into that bunion position. So the real true cause of the bunion is not the, the toe, like the big toe, it's, yeah. it's the talus. And obviously we need to figure out why that talus is driving forward. Um, but um, it's, that's really where the key thing is. It's figuring out the actual mechanics all the way down the foot. And so that's why when you just shave off the edge of the bunion, it's not gonna, usually they come back because you haven't taken care of the driving factor and the driving force of that, um, which is important. I think, I think this, you know, I think there needs to be another episode in general about surgery to a degree. Okay. Um, just, and it's not, it's not specific to, to OMPs, but you know, a lot of modalities, we like to focus on the why, but you can't blame the patient because they're just kind of focusing on the what and how. So they, they see this bunny and they're like, what is that? How do I get rid of it? And, uh, I, I, I work closely with an orthopedic surgeon who kind of specializes in the cervical area. And he's very good with trying to educate patients coming in after their imaging to, to explain to them the risks of the surgery and how it may not be necessary. But then on the other foot, bad pun, I know, he'll he'll make a comment how, but then they're asking me for a service. So there almost becomes this difficulty, you know, between patient and practitioner. It's like, well, they're asking me for a service. This is what they recognize. That's a different discussion for another time. I wanted to touch on the talus now and you're discussing now it's relation to the navicular and such with the bunion. Uh, I think it's important to note, because a lot of practitioners, we, we try to investigate elsewhere. We, we tried to look for larger patterns, which for good reason, for good reason. But sometimes, you know, in the case, you know, maybe we can discuss further another time about why the talus is, you, you were kind of, I guess I'll just call it anteriorizing to a degree. But sometimes yeah. the pattern or the lesion pattern is is more local than people think, I suppose. Yeah. So like we're still, yeah. we're still in the area of the foot directly here in this, in this case that you brought up. Yeah, and I, I think I'm starting to feel that way about feet and hands just because mm. of, you know, it's the end point of a lot of, a lot of things. There's a lot of small bones, a lot of intricate movement that has to happen for function. And um, it's not quite enough just to think about, I mean, obviously we have to think about the why and the driving force, but for feet really does need specific, specific treatment and care and consideration um, in order to really get the improvement that you need. Um, and if there has been unnecessary surgery, um, it is a lot more to contend with because as we talked about, the foot is very fibrotic. Uh, there's a lot of tendons and when you go and have surgery, you're creating more fibrosity. Um, and, uh, it, it can create more problems if, especially if the healing process isn't, isn't done correctly or well, which in most cases, there is not really any follow-up. Um, and how to improve after surgery, which um, has been disappointing. But that's, again, like, probably a conversation for another time. You know, again, uh, just going back, looking for the why, sometimes the why is a little closer than people suspect. I wanted to have, and you, you probably have, maybe you're planning to talk about it anyways, but I want to speak to you about a recent case of mine who I reached out for permission first. I won't share their name or details, but, you know, interestingly enough, <clears throat> Uh, patient, I had my first patient specifically with foot pain. So this is a very rare occurrence. And um, it was really their health history I wanted to highlight with you because initially when they were experiencing their foot pain, they actually saw an OMP first. The concern was 
they were only investigating their sacrum and pelvic area. So they felt they had some relief, but not enough that they stayed with them. They went and saw a podiatrist and or chiropodist. Now I've learned their, their uh, interchanging terms, depending on where you are. Yeah. And uh, they got more relief from this, but it was very heavy uses of not so much orthotics. So I want to get your thoughts on orthotics as well. But it was almost like um, like a sock orthotic. I don't know how else to put it. It was a strap they would put on over their socks uh, to fill in a gap in their arch, essentially. And so this was giving them some more relief. Yeah. Uh, but not enough again. So they tried to give osteopathy another shot. They tried to rehab exercise and such. So it's definitely not, the, it's not the matter that I'm the one who solved it, but it was just the fact is, and this is their own testimonial, I should say, they just needed work on the foot. <laughs> I think I was just the first person to physically grab their ankle and foot and perform treatment alongside the whole lower limb. So th this is why I'm really interested in everything you're sharing, because I'm trying to relate it back to this anecdotal experience of this patient, where it's just direct intervention was necessary for whatever their healing process was or rehabilitative process was uh, and i mean every patient is different and i i never i'll never condemn anyone if they come into my office already and they're already wearing orthotics or they already have some kind of you know modality or whatever that they're using and they're finding helpful i will never uh condemn them for that or make them feel bad about it um but with orthotics I mean, I know, um, I know a lot of people have had great success with orthotics as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. So orth with orthotics, uh, some people I do find do require orthotics. Mm -hmm. Other people, it's just that the mechanics of the feet aren't working right. And so when I work uh, with my parents, at, uh, when we were in Ontario, um, I worked a lot before we sorry before we gave orthotics at all we pretty much always do a course of manual therapy pretty much i mean we would obviously check the mechanics out but if there were restrictions in the feet we almost always do fm foot mobilization before um, we prescribed orthotics and part of that is because if the mechanics of the feet aren't working right you can't expect them to adapt to an orthotic device uh, unless you are good enough at making orthotics that you can actually write them a prep, correct prescription for that issue. And so if you have a good practitioner or someone who's good at making orthotics, they can probably give you quite a bit of relief with an orthotic device because they're essentially making up for the mechanical function that your foot doesn't have. But if you are able to improve the mechanics of the foot through manual therapy in the way that it actually functions um, naturally, then most of the time either the patient doesn't need orthotics at all, or they find that they get a lot more relief and they're a lot more comfortable in their orthotics because, and they're actually getting more true uh, prescription for their orthotics after manual therapy. So I, we would also tell our patients, you know, we're not going to cast for orthotics before we do manual therapy because very likely you need a completely different prescription at the end of the three week period. Like Sick. people's feet are fundamentally different after a three week course of manual therapy, this period. And so um, 
for some people, if they have an actual stability problem, sometimes like connective tissue or um, generally um, some really bad knee, foot, like knee and hip stuff going on, sometimes an orthotic device is definitely warranted. But there's a lot of times where probably people could just have a course of manual therapy and they wouldn't have to worry about wearing, wearing orthotics at all. Um, so it just depends on what's going on with the person's foot, whether it's functioning properly. And um, the other thing is orthotic prescriptions. So that's, you know, again, maybe another topic, <laughs> but, uh, and a little pet peeve of mine, but it is hard to find a practitioner who actually um, does a good orthotic prescription. If, if you have a pair of orthotics that are flimsy and floppy, or if, um, if you went to a practitioner where you just kind of stood on a, on a weight bearing like plate or something like that, those are likely not going to be good orthotics. In order to have a good or proper orthotic made, it needs to be in a non-weight bearing position because the practitioner who's doing your orthotic prescription needs to position the foot into a mechanically, into where, how a foot should work mechanically. They're putting your foot into how it should be. And then they're making and prescribing that, um, that task for you. Um, and so, but when you weight bear and you just go into a place and you just step, a lot of the time it is, it's not really a true reading of the mechanics of your feet. Weight-bearing and non-weight-bearing mechanics of the feet are completely different. And that's why like sometimes talks of high arches, um, some people saying they have flat feet or high arches, like it's, I find that funny um, to some degree because that mechanic changes hugely whether you're weight-bearing or non-weight-bearing. Um, so, you know, it's, it's complicated and orthotics are really complicated, foot's really complicated. There's lots of little things to think of, but, um, Sometimes there are cases that you do have to tell someone to stop wearing their orthotics, but um, but usually I have to take a good look at their orthotic device and I'm hesitant to do that. And depending how long they've been wearing their orthotic device. So orthotics are a whole other frustrating add-on <laughs> to dealing with someone who has chronic foot pain uh, because sometimes they have these, yeah, assistive devices that you have to determine whether they need to be there or not be there, whether it's helpful or not helpful. and in that three week period where you're trying to get them out of pain, it can be, you want to limit your variables as much as possible. Like you Always. don't want to be yeah. moving around, right? You don't want to be like, oh, take your thought again, take it out, see how you feel. Like it, you really got to stay on something. So um, be as consistent as you can. And then if things aren't changing, then, then, cha then shift slowly, change things one thing at a time. And you know what, at the end of the day, I've even had patients who, I've worked with them. It's like three, it's been three weeks. Their foot mechanics are right. Things are working. Like there's no reason they should be in pain, but they're still in pain. And in the end, I'm like, all right, let's just do anti-inflammatories for 10 days. Let's just do it. And then she was on them for like four days. It was gone. It's fine. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I, I don't typically like going into the anti-inflammatory degree, but uh, sometimes with the feet, they need it, but it's very rare. It's one of my last resorts, <laughs> but yeah. sometimes it needs it. Cool. Oh, yeah. Your pre preliminary resort is uh, manual therapy and you explained why, but I think just assisted devices, we're seeing them more often anyways. I, 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 I probably have more patients who happen to be wearing orthotics than not, and not just when it comes to the feet, but there are other assisted devices now um, and wearable technology people have to help monitor 
health and such. I like that you brought up the mechanics of the feet because I'm one of those odd cases where if you do a test of my feet while they're load bearing, the machine will say, you're flat footed. Yeah, as soon as I'm not load bearing, I have quite an interesting arch on the medial portion of my foot. So you can't always take those uh, interpersonal devices to heart. Um, you know, take it from Hannah here. She said, it, they're, you know, even amongst those who produce orthotics, it takes a very good practitioner to, to actually make the proper orthotic for you if you're looking for assisted devices. And I do know that for some people, it's, it's orthotics are easy, you know, they get coverage for them. And uh, if they're having foot pain and they let's go, go get a pair of orthotics and, you know, even I wear orthotics um, in certain, certain shoes that I have um, if they're not quite supportive enough. So, um, but I grew up wearing orthotics, obviously, because my parents are podiatrists. And yeah. if anyone <laughs> who went to school with me or saw me laying on a table at school, they would see my feet and they'd be like, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> you understand. <laughs> my, my concern, I'm going to give you a pet peeve of mine. It's probably one of yours as well. But, uh, yeah, I'll say it. A lot of the people I have coming in with orthotics, and we won't stay too focused on orthotics. I do apologize. But the reason they have orthotics is because it was covered for them and they were able to get a free pair of shoes with it. So I have a lot of patients who have orthot. Yeah, I wish I wish I recorded that. They, they come in with orthotics, not needing orthotics. And then they're like, oh, it makes me a little taller. And I go, okay, well, now this is a new ball game because now you're just purposely influencing the mechanics of your feet and everything above it, regardless. Uh, and also, if I'm, I, I could be wrong, but I'm also pretty sure that isn't allowed. Um, it's not. Like, it, yeah, I think that's uh, kind of an insurance uh, workaround it, that some practitioners have It's an interesting used. concept, yeah. <laughs> um, it's tough though, I, I get, it does become frustrating though, because then some people think that they need like a $200 pair of shoes or like a $250 pair of shoes. So I will throw it out there right now to everyone. You do not have to spend $150 to $200 for a pair of good shoes. You do not need to do that. Uh, I wish I know, could put that on repeat. <laughs> yeah, you don't. I mean, <laughs> shoe shopping is frustrating. Like hands down for some people, it can be frustrating to find a pair of shoes that work for you. But um, there are some certain things that you can look for that you can find a good pair of shoes that is in that 70 to 100 max, $120 range, depending on how fancy you want to get with it. Uh, but generally, like, if you're having foot pain and you have a pair of shoes that you can fold in half, you can twist, they're like mobile. Don't wear those if you're having foot pain. Um, get yourself in a pair of shoes that are stable and are supportive, but you also don't want something so rigid that your foot can't move in it. Like you want something that essentially helps when you, when you walk forward and you put weight on the front part of your foot, you want a shoe that just feels like it's helping propel you forward. Like a little, a little, push uh, because I, we also a big big thing over practitioners to check out is the range of motion in the first MPJ the the first toe um, think about toe off in our gait cycle how important it is to toe off 
<laughs> and having a proper like bend in your big toe mm -hmm. is huge um, to be doing that. And that can also kind of be a driver of bunions to some degree after after a little bit of time. Um, you also see, or people have lots of callus on the edge of the, on the side of their big toe. Um, that's usually a sign that they're not towing off properly in their date cycle. Um, and what ends up happening is you, you change the way that you, you know, push off from your foot. It kind of, you do this kind of weird, like circle-y push off thing. And uh, that can really aggravate the plantar fascia and the back and the, the Achilles essentially, because now that you're not uh, that calcaneus is pushing off, there's just so much to it. So you really want to try and get more mobility in that first joint of the big toe. Um, but that's also an area that can get very arthritic. Um, and sometimes in patients, you'll find that that joint doesn't move at all. And is sometimes are fused. Sometimes the big toe is fused. Um, and so that is sometimes one of those cases where I might send somebody in the direction of diatrist or propodist, um, because you can actually get, um, or in the direction of good shoes, uh, because you can get footwear and footwear devices that can help with that toe off. And that's where sometimes some other considerations have to come in. Um, if the foot cannot do the mechanical function that it needs to do, you need to kind of find ways to help it do so. And so you can get these little things called carbon fiber plates. Um, made of carbon fiber it looks like a little orthotic i guess but it or like a little insert um and it just uh carbon fiber has a little bit of flexibility to it and so when you try and go through toe off and you load in the forefoot uh the carbon fiber plate actually does the toe off for you so it really takes that strain and stress away from the big toe and the plantar fascia so uh, there are little things that again if people can't do it and we can try and find a way to help it uh, and for listeners, if they want to experiment uh, in terms of toe off and gait cycle, we're, we're essentially talking about walking and how you take a step. And I think uh, this this is jumping back to a prior background of mine, but for those listening, whether you're patients or just uh, avid learners, you can even assess the mechanics of your foot by seeing how you walk or run with shoes on and then repeating the process without shoes. So coming from a martial arts background, it's not so fancy, but we used to advocate for this uh, you know, when I was when I was younger, we used to be very biased against really big heels and shoes, uh, depending on what kind of activity you were. Because you would notice when you take the shoe off, most people put more emphasis onto the ball of their foot and so on and so forth. So I think for anyone listening, I'm going to repeat myself. Simply assess how you walk and or jog with shoes on and then repeat that process without shoes on. You might be very shocked at immediately the change in mechanics on how you actually physically perform a step and go from there you actually yeah, answered a, a listener asked a question about shoes so i just wanted to highlight you totally covered it so totally. congratulations that was awesome yeah great <laughs> that's awesome yeah where is a consideration and uh yeah i will say oh another thing i'll say if, if you have foot pain at home and uh you're wearing your birkenstocks and if your birkenstocks are four years old three three four years old and, or older and they look worn, get a new pair <laughs> because they may feel comfortable. I tell you, your Burks feel comfortable or any kind of, you know, kind of form fitting sandal. Yeah. They feel comfortable for a reason and it's because we've worn a pattern into them. Right. And so that's the same thing also for practitioners. Ask if they are wearing like a Burke at home or something like that because 
they've worn this pattern in. You've worn a pattern into the shoe, and when you go and walk on it, you're going to just keep. It's going to um, cushion that position that you already have. It's going to. I call it feeding. You're feeding your problem That's essentially. Great. So you you've been wearing in this pattern for so long, and you're just going to go and and continue that, so don't do that. I know it's hard throwing those little pinky shoes out, but you might have to do it, or at least put them in the closet for a little while and yeah. wear some stable shoes for a bit. Um, uh, yeah, I, I can attest to that too for more of my geriatric patients, actually. Uh, this is something I've come to realize as well as uh, mentioning their footwear. And sometimes they remark at me, it's like, oh, but now I actually, like, it's harder for me. I can't drag my foot. Well, no, because <laughs> trying to get rid of the, you called it feeding? Yeah, feeding yeah. your problem. We're, we're trying to stop. We're, we're going to halt the feeding of your problem. Yeah. So I recommend that as well. Hannah put it perfectly. But I noticed that a lot more with my geriatric patients per se. Yeah. Yeah, it's trickier. It's, you know, and I think that's yeah, as you get up in age too, you expect to have more pain. And I think especially that feeling of it being normal to have foot pain um, it goes with the older that you are. They feel the more normal it is. Um, because of they, they, everyone knows, like we've walked on their feet all the time. So, yeah. you know, it's, uh, we have high expectations of them. So it's important to take care of our feet. They really, uh, we take them for granted and it's worth just having a check-in. If you're noticing any change in your feet, um, you're starting to notice a little bit of a bunion and you're worried about it, like anything like that, you can go get it checked out. Um, there's no harm. It feels pretty good. Um, there's definitely considerations otherwise for practitioners with like, you know, when you deal with diabetes and like lupus, connective tissue diseases, there's a lot of other factors to foot pain. Um, and once in a while I've actually found someone that's foot pain, they just have a corn. If you don't know what a corn is, it's basically like, it shows that you've been weight bearing on a particular point for too long. So for us, yeah. it's like, okay, yeah, the something in the mechanic here isn't yeah. working right. But for you, it feels like a knife jabbing right up into Precisely. your foot and your toe. So, uh, and a podiatrist acropolis just like takes that right out. So there's lots of stuff to think about with the feet, but I hope that uh, helped at least cover a few, few things that might help those people who have foot pain and practitioners who are frustrated at feet because they are frustrating as it is. Should be the title of this show, just feet are frustrating. <laughs> well, well, you coined it there. Um, and I think I'll just summarize. For the patient, have your feet checked. You know, have it checked and don't just jump to the, I'm gonna say for us, you know, don't just jump to the conclusion of wearable uh, assistance, maybe just, go see have someone hands-on do some intervention it might do you some good and for practitioners consistency and a little bit of patience i think can go a long way when dealing with the feet do you have anything else you wish to add um, yeah i i will just say something i feel like i say a lot to um to my women patients because you do find bunions quite a bit more with women I'm not sure whether it's because the women are more likely to come in about having a bunion <laughs> or or not, but generally I see more women who have bunions. And part of that, um, I just want to say for women who have or are pregnant who, or who have just had a baby, there can be quite a lot of change in your feet. 
um, during that process because you know that right now you're, you're growing room for your baby and there's a lot more spread and moving of connective tissues at this time. And so that happens everywhere in your body, including your feet. So um, a lot of the times after pregnancy or during pregnancy, women feel that their shoes, their, their feet get wider or they go up a shoe size or things like that. And that's also after that process is when sometimes I do start to see a little bit more um, uh, drive for bunions. Um, and that's just, as I said, the, the connective tissues aren't holding those bones in the same place. There's increased anterior load with baby. Um, and so that can definitely drive more of um, that kind of anterior talus and driving and shifting of the bones of the feet. So also for women who are pregnant um, or have just had a baby, get some care for your feet. You deserve it. Uh, your body deserves it. So that's, that's where I'll end off there. <laughs> uh, I, I have to bother you with one more question. Yeah. Um, just because we, we had a couple questions from listeners. We, we tried to advocate beforehand that you were coming on. A lot of people seem very prone and fond of acupressure or acupressure on the feet. And I think it's important to bring that up because earlier you were mentioning, for example, the tennis ball method to help with the feet, but you were very specific to say nothing with little nodules or bumps on it necessarily. So do you have any kind of opinions or thoughts on those who are depending more on acupressure for some kind of relief? Yeah, I, um, what I'll say about that is there is a point where um, I do find that the little nubs, little nubs and the little um, things to get more specific in there is helpful. It really is, again, you want to be considering what's the condition of your tissues. Um, typically when those little, you're getting relief from those, there's little contractures or uh, little adhesions, so to speak. I say uh, soft tissue should glide pretty much um, across each other. It should be nice and smooth. But when you get these little um, adhesions, basically, um, the tissues kind of stick and rub. And sometimes that active pressure is helpful to get rid of those sticky little nodules and it will help facilitate a little bit more glide in that tissue. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a small part that can help people feel better, but there's a bigger picture as well. So acupuncture can be really great and super helpful, again, depending on what your problem is and what's driving your pain. Um, super helpful for some people. Other people might need a little bit more, and that's probably where um, the manual therapy side would come into that. There'll be a little bit of acupressure probably involved in it, um, but a little bit more consideration of everything involved, not just the soft tissues, but also how all the, all the function in the foot is working. Hannah, where can listeners find you online? Yeah, so I have an Instagram account that's uh, at Halifax Osteopathy, and uh, that that's where you can find me right now. <laughs> that's great. Thank you for coming on, Hannah, and sharing everything with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Love love talking about this stuff. So anytime, <laughs> and uh, I know we touched base about maybe talking about some research stuff as well in the future. So maybe I'll come back and talk about osteopathic research with you. Well, you, you will definitely come back if, if you'll join, <laughs> if I didn't scare you away today. But for our listeners, yes, uh, Hannah did take part in some research uh, specific to the osteopathic field. And we're looking forward to having her back and discussing that on a later episode. With thank that, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Hannah, once again, thank you for joining us today. Thank and you. With that, Have a great day. <laughs> you too. Everyone take care and stay tuned. Talk soon.